Welcome to the Dreams X Trash podcast. Hey, I'm Oscar, co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living and working in Japan with dreams of being more than an unknown writer. And I'm Jason, fellow co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living in Japan and tech and art enthusiast. And Jason, what do we do here? Well, Dreams X Trash is a podcast hosted by us, two Kenyans living in Japan. We have lived in Japan for a combined period of six years, six years, and English teachers. Jesus is right. The conversations are a parasocial look at Japanese, Kenyan culture, society, history, philosophy, and a lot of bullshit that swirls around in our lives. I agree with that. And these conversations are a journey of us attempting to make sense of our lives, the world around us, and us trying to make something of what little knowledge we have. And we do have very little knowledge. And that journey starts right now. another week another podcast and now we actually do mean another week jason yes it has Finally, been we're, getting, we're getting our flow back we're getting our flow back it has been another week and we have a special guest special guest so guests introduce yourself who are you where are you from all right um i don't think i'm that special but uh <laughs> my name is daniel and uh you can call me dan um so i'm from kenya and uh, I have recently just relocated to Japan, which is about three months since I just mm-hmm. moved here. Mm-hmm. And uh, to say the least, it's a dream come true because I have I've I've wanted to come here for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. before I left, I spoke to Nakamura Sensei, and when I told him that I'm actually going, he was like, he was really happy. Because mm-hmm. he was like, I know how long you've wanted to go to Japan and it's not mm-hmm. worked out. So now that it's finally working out, good for you. Go and chase okay. your dreams. So just so, for all the listeners out there, so Dan has mentioned someone called Nakamura Sensei. So Dan, Jason and I shared a Japanese class when we were in university back in Kenya. Mm-hmm. So that's how we know each other. Nakamura Sensei was our Japanese teacher, Japanese language teacher. But he was, we were a lot closer to him than that. Yeah, yeah, he was. That's true. Yeah, that's true. We were definitely alone. Yeah, he was. He went to his apartment, his home. We met his family. Yeah, we met his, his family. Kids. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, funny thing is, um, you remember his sons, yeah? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so it turns out, I mean, this one aspect showed me how small the world is. So mm-hmm. his sons went to the same high school as my youngest sister. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, my sister was telling me that. He knows them, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I didn't see that coming." Mm-hmm. That was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Wow! But yeah, he told me his sons are in Japan, uh, in uni. So yeah. Oh really? Which part of Japan yeah. do you know? Um, no, he didn't tell me where, but uh, he told me there. Uh, I, I think one of them is studying in Japan. Uh, okay. His okay. University I, studies here. Before I came, um, he was showing me his Instagram, and I was seeing pictures mm-hmm. of the. Of the sun. Mm-hmm. He's somewhere in Tokyo, if I can recall properly. Okay. It's somewhere in Tokyo. Okay. okay. And is he on a scholarship? Something like that. I might be mis- mis- 
misremembering it, but uh, mm-hmm. I remember something along those lines. Okay, okay. And mm-hmm. completely changed from how we, uh, how I remember them. You know, they actually, yeah, you know, yeah. We're actually grown up. You know, grown men. men now. Yeah, We're grown men. men. <laughs> grown men now. What and... about that university life? No. <laughs> and uh, since we already hit it off, it's like Japan, right? Isn't this like? Yeah. Is 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 everyone at home? First of all, like Dan, how did you leave home? Like with COVID and everything, I I mean like in Kenya in general. How was it? How was the state of everything? And it was pretty uptight. I mean, okay, uh, I wouldn't say uptight in terms of leaving. Mm. What I went through uh, was mostly in regards to following the protocols of entry into Japan. So I had to do a PCR test before I flew out, mm-hmm. and I still had to do another PCR test when I got to. Because I had to come to Osaka straight. So mm-hmm. at Kansai, I did another PCR test. I can tell you, thank God I tested negative because uh, some people tested positive and they went through hell. They went through mandatory quarantine for about mm. 10 days. So you're in the hotel and you can't really leave your room, mm. that sort of a thing. So I'm glad I tested negative as well on both tests. Mm-hmm. Nice. And... Uh, that made it a lot easier to now like pretty much experience the country. So I definitely made enough rounds in Osaka. That's how I actually got to pretty much experience it. And okay. I actually prefer Osaka to Tokyo, even though I haven't been to Tokyo yet. But what mm-hmm. part I definitely prefer Osaka. Hey, imagine yeah, there being, is, being there is something in the zeitgeist that says like even Japanese people they do tend to say that people from Tokyo are very cold. And now the opposite being that they assume that people from Osaka are just humorous or funny, right? So I did hear one one of my wife's friends was saying that he's from Osaka and yeah. he moved to Tokyo for work. And when he was like working, so like his co-worker would say, Hey, you're from Osaka, tell us something funny. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's a well, think people from Osaka are comedians. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I was just going to um, comment on, like, how crazy, crazy is it that, like, you have to have this mandatory quarantine and be locked in a hotel room for 10 days, like a prison? Man, you know, I don't crazy. think about it because it, it will draw that story tells me mad. I'm so tired of that story. I'm just so sick and tired of it. What, the quarantine you know, or what? No, yeah. the entire COVID-19 scenario it's uh, a joke it's a joke the entire thing is a joke i don't play it anymore but oscar people are dying how can you say this hey hey jason jason have let's talk about cars had, let's talk about cars let's oh. talk about cars no 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 i'm just joking just relax oscar <laughs> uh, uh, you're, you're, the ironic thing is um after going through what I went through in terms of entry uh, just mm-hmm. a few weeks in terms of maybe two maybe three almost a month since mm-hmm. I got here, because mm-hmm. uh, I keep in touch with family almost on a weekly basis, so we have mm-hmm. video chats and everything, so at least they keep me in the loop of what's going on. So about a month since I got here, they tell me the president gave a mandate of no more masks. Okay, yeah, like, yeah, 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 no more masks. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, that's, I mean, that's lucky, but a bit risky, if you think about it. No, you know, uh, like, so I guess... Some countries had mask mandates. Japan mm. has never had a mask mandate. 
it's just part of the culture. So the government actually doesn't exactly. tell anyone to put on masks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. not really government mandated. Yeah, so no, the government has told no one. They just recommend you put on masks. Whether you choose to do it or not, that's up to you, the individual. Yeah, yeah. But because like Japan is maybe so conformist, or rather they had the culture of putting on masks prior to COVID. Before, thing, way yeah. before COVID, yeah. yeah. So for them, it was just like, it's kind of business as usual. Just more people are wearing masks now. Yep. People so who even are, stand out more if you don't. People mm-hmm. who are jogging and even in the gym wear masks. I thought that was so, like, that's insane. No, yeah, so I don't do that. I don't wear mask when I'm running or in the gym. It's just like, like and you know, it's, like, okay. I, I feel so like the whole, my, I, the, mm-hmm. I feel like the whole purpose of the mask has been lost. <laughs> People are just at this point, it's like just following guidelines, following rules, no questions asked, mm. you know, type mm. thing. At least in yeah, Japan, yeah. or rather, maybe, um, mm. I've also seen in terms of how the way you said, Oscar, I'm conformist mm. and mm. also collectivist, where mm. no one is really looking to stand out, so exactly, maybe there's definitely some people who definitely would do away with the masks, the but, young, yes. young people. The young people do that. Especially the young people, yeah. But uh, you just don't want to stand out. You know, actually, I would say it's the the people I've seen walking around without masks or even being in trains without masks, usually old men, like really old men, not young men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, seen, oh, I've seen them too. Oh, yeah, you're right. I've yeah, seen them too. Yeah. I feel like the, the young men are the ones who, in Japan at least, young men are more conformist than the older men. Uh, I want okay. When I said young, I mean like not at young adults, like more like the teenagers, you know. Okay, okay. The teenagers okay. don't care, you know. And mm-hmm. then obviously, like if you go to like the club section or that nightlife section of yeah. at least oh, in Fukuoka, no one, has, no one, no one is wearing, on. yeah, no one's wearing a mask, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that when I went to uh, Nipponbashi. Mm-hmm. Ah, that place is fun. That place was a vibe <laughs> as hell. I want to go back there. <laughs> Yeah, number. Yeah, uh, that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's places like that that made me really like Osaka, and I have the best okonomiyaki in Osaka. Oh, oh yeah. Man, talking about okonomiyaki, I think and things like takoyaki, okonomiyaki. I've had them store like okonomiyaki is good, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go and buy okonomiyaki. Like I'd rather my wife just makes it. I'm, you know, it's like wait, I'm wait, Oscar. I'm hearing your privilege right now. Who makes it? <laughs> my wife makes it. Oh my <laughs> god! She can cook. She can cook. She can cook. <laughs> Bro, the privileges of having a Japanese wife. Some, but I, I wouldn't, some yeah, of us I wouldn't out here, night. Oscar. Some of us out here don't have those opportunities. Let me just say that. Tell us what's the Mongolian food like, Jason. Mm-hmm. Food, let me tell you, it's just meat and soup. Okay, it's that's good like soup. That. It's good soup, but I like that. good soup, yeah. <laughs> yes, listen, all, all you need in there is some ugali. You know, just... <laughs> oh, I can tell you, I miss ugali, no doubt, bro. Oh, I miss ugali. No, I miss chapos. I miss chapos. Hey, not ugali. Yeah. Hey, no. I also miss yeah, chapos. Chapos, I miss, but ugali. Uh, like, okay. I have some Kenyan friends, right? Who will tell me like Oscar? If anyone ever comes to visit you, please ask them to bring like flour to make ugali. And in my head, I'm like, why the hell would you ever want ugali? You have sushi, you have curry rice, you have all this good stuff, and you miss ugali. Why? Why? <laughs> hey, ugali is not that bad, man. Bro, I don't know. Since I was a kid, I would just never like ugali. Since yeah, I was a kid, I, I could eat anything. I don't know. Kimeri, you know, uh, everything was good, you know. But. Yeah. Uh, 
Ugali was just I could not even as a kid. Yeah, even me. Like Gideri was fine. I mean, I don't I don't miss it, but it was fine. But Ugali, I just didn't want to see it. <laughs> All that. Yeah. And you know, like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a Kalenjin, so like Ugali was always like it was on the menu every damn day, you know. <laughs> and exactly. you, I get what you're saying. And you, and you were in boarding school too. Exactly, exactly. Ah, hey. uh, then you must have had it rough because me being a Luo, mm-hmm. Ugali was also a staple. Yeah. Ugali and fish. So, oh, oh man, He's a... I enjoyed it at home and the way they made it at home. So mm-hmm. that's pretty what I miss. Uh... Mm-hmm. Uh, so you missed like the way it was being made in your home personally, right? Exactly. Uh, okay, okay, okay. That, that, so that's that, like that probably food, also food. like a big part of home too, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, my initial question about the state of home, because like from when I was leaving, right, mm-hmm. there were just so many people, young people, like people like us who were like you know graduates and stuff like that who are looking for jobs and it was just so hard to get a job even in it it was ridiculously hard super competitive there's just so many people you know and then this is again this is me i left pre-covid right when covid hit it was just like i can't even imagine what it's like being right like in kenya and looking for a job now it was hard because I actually consider myself lucky because I literally managed to graduate. I mean, when COVID hit, uh-huh. I was supposed to graduate. Uh-huh. And then the whole system of how we were supposed to learn just shifted straight mm-hmm. online and that kind of a thing. And um, that made it a lot longer for me to graduate. So I literally graduated last year in September. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So right after I was done, you obviously start getting the pressure of, you know, what's next? I mean, yes, you're done. That's well and good. But, you know, you start after thinking about your future now. So start uh, looking for jobs. You uh, actually have to start using your degree. (laughs) Exactly. I can tell you I made a ton, a ton of applications, a ton of applications. So Mm -hmm. uh, one of my dad's friends, uh, he's been in Japan for over 10 years. He already has a family and everything. Mm -hmm. So I told him I definitely would love to come and work and live in Japan. Uh-huh. Um, do you have any ideas of where or how I can apply? So he gave me the link of Gaijin Port. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, okay. And that's how I got to now apply. So, you know, I was just shooting my shot because, I mean, you're considering everything that's going on, COVID, with the whole mm-hmm. travel restriction. I didn't think it would be, I thought it would be more of a long-term thing, like maybe a few years down the line, I'd get a job. Mm-hmm. But the ironic thing is, the company in Japan, they are the only ones who actually got back to me. Which which company? In terms of, uh, Borderlink. Oh, Borderlink. Okay. Yeah. With, in consideration with the companies that I applied to in Kenya, mm-hmm. Borderlink were the only ones who actually got back to me and told me, yeah, we've seen and reviewed your application. We are interested in having you. Um, if you're interested in coming, you can send a confirmation email just to let us know that you're interested. Mm-hmm. And the moment I saw that email, I told my dad, I'm not even looking back. I don't care what company in Kenya calls me. <laughs> this is it. I'm going. You know, this what's uh, what you're experiencing something like every I like feel my like... family back home is experiencing things along this along the same lines whereby not with not with employing but rather with like going to university. I have some few cousins uh-huh. who will like their parents will reach out to me and tell me, hey, my kid is looking for a school in Japan, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And 
the frustration I feel with this issue is that, you know, Kenyans, like the old school style of like, hey, Oscar is in Japan, so maybe he can go to those schools and talk to them about my son's application, right? Ah, but I, I, see, I, I feel like telling them, hey, like, here is the link. You just have to apply yourself online. It's as straightforward as that in Japan. Just apply yourself online. Yeah. I yeah. Oscar doesn't need to speak to anyone, right? Not at all. Yeah, so but they, I feel like the old school folks they assume that I'm being maybe I'm being selfish because I'm not like actually going to the schools to talk to the chancellor or something. Yeah, no, no, I think it's also like you said, the old way, old school way of socializing, the right way yeah. to do these things was talking to them. You know, you'd go to like yeah. the actual admission office and talk to someone about mm -hmm. your family's family members' application and stuff. But in Japan, mm -hmm. it's like also there's the assumption that because you have been here for a very long time, Oscar must mm -hmm. have connections, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that assumption. Yeah, the Oscar must know the people, you know. He's been here for such a while. Why wouldn't he know the people? Exactly. Um, I just know everyone in Japan. I know yeah, all of them. So they just, <laughs> I don't know. They just send you, they'll just delegate that task to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. So, like, Dan, yeah. are you going back home anytime soon? Uh, It's not the plan. It's not the plan? Uh -huh. Not the plan. Because I think we and Oscar joke about this a lot. Can you imagine you being here in Japan for even for three months, right? Can you imagine going yeah. back to some place like Roisambo? Bro, the oh. adjustments now, I think I would experience culture shock. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> going back. Uh, the irony in that is just mind-blowing, honestly. You know, let me tell you something funny. So my brother came to Japan last month, and yeah. he was telling me the culture shock he experienced being in Japan was the use of plastic bags. What do you because mean? Because in Kenya, it's yeah. illegal. The plastic bags yeah. are illegal in Kenya. Yeah. Like, yeah, you actually get like fined. Like, uh, wait, yeah, did you do, wait, did you do. What were you using for our trash bags, then? No, it, are, I don't know. I haven't been in Kenya. Uh-huh. There are some reu reusable uh, bags, so you yeah. don't really throw them away. Uh -huh. um, I can't remember. There, there was a name for them. But you know which one I'm talking yeah. about, yeah, like, the, the black ones, right? Are we talking about the same ones? The black ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. colored. You'd have them in different colors. There were blue ones. Ah. But then, like, the, like if you go to uh, Carrefour. Did you leave Carrefour already in Kenya? Yes, yes, yes. I left Carrefour. Mm. Oscar doesn't mm. know what Carrefour is. <laughs> Oscar yeah, left. Yeah. Oscar left when Nakomat was there. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's a while back. So yeah, oh, basically, they have their own bags where once you've bought them, uh -huh. you wouldn't really throw them away. So even if you're going back to shopping, no matter how many times, you'd still carry them. With right, anything. right, right, right. They're reusable. Yeah, yeah. So Japan, yeah. just like Japan, basically. You know, the reusable. No, 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 no. No. Here's the thing. According to what my brother told me, he is so scared of using plastic bags because of the trauma he experienced in Kenya. Like, the apparently the fines are so huge for having a plastic bag that yep. he doesn't even want to touch one in Japan. Yeah, it was so bad because even when you live by yourself, uh -huh. I remember in uni, I mean, you'd struggle to find bags where you'd throw your own garbage in. So some of these bags, you'd actually have to buy them. Like those careful bags, mm -hmm. they're not just free. You actually buy them because you're going to reuse them. Right. So mm. a bag would cost about forty bob. Jesus, what? Why? Imagine. Why is the question, bro? But oh, <laughs> it, it sounds like this is for profit. 
Like, there's a little bit of okay. like capitalism happening there. <laughs> Isn't everything in Kenya for profit? It has to be. It is for profit, of course. But, but such a basic social service, like trash, you know, like garbage collection. Exactly. You, you think... think they accommodate for that. Yes. But not. Because that's the same question we were talking about when I was in Kenya with my friends. We were like, they made the ban for plastic bags, but they didn't really think it through because there's some services that still would actually work well with when it comes to disposing of trash. Because uh-huh. that's the one thing I've experienced in Japan, and I am very impressed by it, that thing of uh, separating garbage. Uh-huh. And mm. uh, it's stuff like that that we could actually do with in Kenya, for sure. That would go a long way, because back home, the only thing that they provide for, I mean, it, it also depends with where you live, because now we're at home, at home, where my parents mm-hmm. sleep, they get the black garbage bags. Yeah, those are the ones I got, yeah. Yeah, those are the ones that are still more or less in use as of plastic bags. Mm, okay, okay. I see. For I see. garbage only. But then, okay. in terms of garbage, I mean, everything goes into that one bag. No, but Literally actually, everything. But you know, but what I've come to realize is Japan as well. So when I was living in Kyushu, I was separating my trash. And when I was in Nagoya, like for training for my company, I also had to separate my trash. But in Osaka yep. City, we don't separate trash. Really? And I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering most of why are we not separating trash in Osaka? And apparently, uh, what is it? Is it what do you call it? the place where they burn the, the trash? What is it called? And uh, yeah, wherever they burn the trash. Yeah, yeah. We're that place where they burn the trash. Apparently, the pharmacies they have in Osaka City, maybe in Tokyo as well, are good enough for them to burn all the trash together. So apparently, other cities are trying to get pharmacies as good as these, so they can be able to burn all the trash together too. Um, Nakatsu in Oita area, which is in Kyushu, mm. they have they do the same thing. Um, uh, so you don't separate, right? You don't separate. One of my coworkers yeah. when I was teaching, uh, mm. in Oita. One of my coworkers that was just like, "Oh, you guys are separating trash. We don't have to." I was just like, "What?" You know? Yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. for the first couple of months, I had so much headache because the Oita guide, the trash mm. guide, was only in Japanese, and even when you mm. translated with Google, the, the translation's a bit off. Mm. So there were times where um, I was mixing the trash, and it wasn't. Okay. Then you know what's what's weird is that you know obviously if your trash isn't sorted out well, they leave it there, right? Yep, 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 yep. Did no one tells you what's wrong? So I have to like mm-hmm. open it up, go through everything again, and go like, okay, I think it's this. Then you know it's like a trial and error type thing. <laughs> this went on for months, and then at some point I just looked and I was just like, okay, okay, now I get what I'm doing wrong. You know, mm-hmm. it was all yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you. Um, when you guys came to Japan, did you guys experience that thing of uh? When you move into a new place, what thing? What thing? Giving, giving like a token of appreciation to your neighbors. Oh, I tried doing that. Oh, my my neighbor I, didn't I even was... open the door. <laughs> so, in, when I moved to when I first came to Japan, I came as a student, so I didn't need to do that. But when I yeah. moved in with my wife, we didn't do that because it was the city, and I don't think that's expected in the city. But when yeah, I moved yeah, to Kyushu, we did. I did do that. So my wife and I like bought some gifts from Osaka and gave to our neighbor in Kyushu. But I don't think it did much to like improve our relations okay, or even make yeah. any relations. Yeah, like maybe it's just an old school thing. I don't think people do that anymore. That's what I have yeah. come to realize as yeah. well. 
this was when you were in Saga, Oscar, right? Yeah, in Saga, yeah. I ah, did that, okay. but like, it didn't help us make any strong relationship with the neighbors. Interesting thing that you bring up the divide between, like, you know, the, the culture of the urban versus the mm. rural areas in Japan. Mm-hmm. In the rural mm-hmm. areas, I was always getting gifts from people. Even when I, oh, I mean, to... I will... Yeah, I was getting gifts from like old women, old, old exactly, women, exactly. Students, you know, like, like like fruits and vegetables and stuff. Yeah, that was in That's the r- rural areas, right? Like the more yes, outskirts yes, yes. and stuff like that. It's yeah. like it's so you always get stuff. <laughs> yeah, but like in Osaka city, like it's just it's, I would assume. So another thing that my brother told me is that when my brother came who is training in Osaka, I would assume he would be like uh, mesmerized by all the infrastructural development here, right? Uh-huh. But yeah. from what he tells me, it's like, dude, this is just like Westlands, you know? So it's like Nairobi City. Like, apparently, what? Nairobi has changed so much. That's what my brother was telling me. I don't know if it's true. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. There's, there's parts of Westlands that have changed so much, actually. I mean, it has, but the one thing that I noticed, and because my first place was Osaka in Japan, uh-huh. so I was impressed. I was like, Dust, dust is a myth in Japan. Like all <laughs> like, the cars look like they just came from the showroom. We, yeah. funny enough, when we first came, clean. when we first came with Nakamura Sensei, I think it was yeah. Buju or someone. Buju was like, they should even delete the word for for dust in Japanese because <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> There's no dust at all. So I mean, obviously, car washes wouldn't be a big business here because. I remember being back in Roisamba, bro. There was a car wash on just a road, bro. Almost <laughs> what three, four, five hours. Dan, what road? There are no roads. <laughs> what road? Bro, let me tell you that. Is that, is that... J- Jason and Jason and Dan? The word for for dust in Japanese is hokori. And hokori. when someone tells you there's hokori, it's literally just kind of you know those particles that are floating around in the air when you open the windows. It's not dust. It's just like you know. In Roisamba, we were living. Roisamba was dust city. Like bro, bro, you I, had to clean your house on a day. Every day. Like, my brother and I, when we first moved into an apartment together, we literally mm. used to... In Kenya, you, it's tile. It's not It's not like wooden floors, right? It's tiles on the, on the ground, right? Mm. We used to yeah. wash that floor with soap and water. Every yep. single... You know, you every go like round, round one, soap and water. Round two, rinsing the floors, right? <laughs> and when I come back home from class, it's like I did nothing. It's all brown again. And then when you look at the towels or whatever you're using to clean the floor, it's black or it's just brown. What? It was so frustrating. Do you remember doing laundry and then leaving it out in the wind? <laughs> in the wind, oh, it's your clothes. Jesus Christ. I think coin laundries are one of the best things in Japan. Like, a hundred, a hundred bob. Everything. A uh, hundred bob and everything I mean, gets cleaned. It's so crazy. I think their motto is like conveniency. If if it just has to be as convenient as possible, mm-hmm. they are very good at making even the simplest things very convenient. I like that about Japan. I think one of the like literally the bloodline of a lot of the Japanese cities is that they spent a lot of time, energy, and investment into the public transportation, which is the trains. I feel mm-hmm. like the trains are the backbone of urban cities in Japan. You would not yes, be able to support such a huge density of people without the train. Like, I've just looked at how many people actually use the train, you know? And compare it to, like, how many people are using the Matatu um, back at home in Kenya. And, like, obviously there's oh, yeah. lots of people, but I'm trying to say, like, Matatus are so inefficient compared to trains. 
No, this thing like going back to timetable scheduling. We don't have that in Kenya, right? But, we don't. but because yeah. because of also the tra- the transport system, right? Like if yeah, we if we use just... trains a lot more, mm-hmm. oh, but that's not true. In Europe, no, there's it's... trains that are late all the time. You know. Yeah. So here's the. I don't think it's about transport. Number one, it's the culture. It's the people. About like, punctuality, especially. Exactly. So like, think about this. In Kenya, like we always joke, it's Kenyan time, whereby. You plan with your friend. You're meeting at one p.m. and this dude shows up at two p.m. Like every and everything is fine. Yeah. Like no one bats an eye. Like like he was an hour late and he's like, okay, let's just move on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. People actually take offense when you're five minutes late. Yeah. Hey, no, no, if you're not even there ten minutes before time, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. So like, of course, it's it's the culture. It goes deep. It goes deep. You know, like I remember, like taking the cross-cultural communication, cross-cultural communication class in university. Hey, come, come what? Come fifteen hundred. Eleven hundred. Eleven hundred. I remember yeah. that. I remember. So that. it was like they were talking about P time and M time cultures. You know. Yep. Like was it was it mono monochromatic or polychromatic? How do you remember? Oscar, how do you remember this? That's amazing. Yeah, I remember too much. That's, I, I have a problem. You should ask my wife. I remember way too much. <laughs> wow. Okay. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I remember how when I learned that, I do. I at this moment I felt offended. I felt like, oh, so this lecture is telling us that as Kenyans we can never be punctual. And you know, like looking like now that I live in Japan, it's like, yeah, I don't think we can. <laughs> I actually don't think we can. No, it's Oscar, not, Oscar, it's be fair. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like, of course, as an individual, you can be, you can like. We moved to Japan. We learned how to become punctual, right? Right. Yep. But as a nation, as a nation, you think Kenya will become punctual tomorrow? I think we can. No. I think it's a fixable uh, problem. How, it's not. How is I it? I think it's a lot. It's ah. a lot bigger because if you compare it to how it is in Japan, this is just. It's literally from the. It's person you meet in the street, yeah, yeah, and all the way up, especially yeah. from childhood, because exactly. I've experienced that um in school when mm. I'm now like switching over to classes. So mm. there's a school where their time in between classes is about five minutes. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to be like, I'll carry the books that I'll need for the next class, so that I don't have to come all the way back to the teacher's room. I will mm. make it in time and. Because you're teaching with now the Japanese teacher of English. And she mm-hmm. told me that we need to get to the other class mm-hmm. before the bell that starts that next class goes off. Because mm-hmm. it also shows the kids that if you're on time, they'll also be on time. So it's definitely something that they are taught from when they're young. Yeah, like you see, even Jason, like when you're working in in our company, Peppy Kids, like as empl- as employees, we expect to be there a minimum of thirty minutes before the lesson starts, right? Mm. Yep. And the kids always come to class five minutes before the lesson starts, mm. right? And the funny thing, they also want to leave that door exactly on time. Exactly. Yep. Yes. And like Kenya, where it seems, okay, of course, in school there was a bell to tell you, okay, go to the next class and such and such. But yeah. when you're out of school, it's like time ceases to exist school school you know school mean? is like a very bad example because the school has it, it's built to have a lot more structure than it is than, than, than okay 
than you let's than you would at, actually see in reality you know let's look at regular like in regular life like what you're saying you get, i agree with what you guys are saying like number one transportation there was something called the smart bus in kenya it was it was only doing round it only it was only used in 2010 the smart bus was basically <laughs> like a bus we use like the, you know the the chip the ic chip you charge your card ah, and use the yes, 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 yes. i saw the advertisements for it yeah, so I used it. I was in that bus in 2010. I was really happy about that bus because it was always leaving railway station at 1.15. Uh-huh. It had a schedule. Uh-huh. But people were always rushing to catch that bus when it was 1.16. You know what I mean? You mean so there was, I was, a, there the was a large amount of people trying to get on the bus? Exactly, when the bus is leaving. Okay. Right? okay. They know the schedule. Like it's, there's a, There was a timetable there. And you know what happened? That yeah. bus doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist. Like right. they try to make something. I don't know. Maybe like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just bad business. But here's the thing. You're given a schedule. The bus will be here. We're going to wait for 30 minutes until from 12.45 to 1.15. Be there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So who's to blame? Is it the, the passenger or the driver? It's definitely the passenger. Because if you already know the schedule beforehand, yeah. right? it's up to you to be there. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, you know, like, even look at TV programs in Japan. This one, I don't know if you watch Japanese TV programs. But Japanese TV programs don't start at 7 or 8 or 9. Uh-huh. They start at, like, 9 or 7 uh-huh. or 9.52. You know, it's such, when I saw, noticed that, I was like, what? Things, this is such an awkward time for something to start. Right? And all TVs, once you turn on the TV, the TV has a clock, like, has, has, a, has the time on the TV, on the screen. Yeah. So when it says the program starts at nine fifty two, that program will start exactly that clock on, on that watch on the TV says nine fifty two. Oh yeah. You see, there was a there was a trending news that uh, guys in Kenya were making a big fuss of about a train that mm-hmm. was. This is now about a train in Japan. I don't know if it was a Shinkansen or just the usual subway trains. Mm-hmm. So the guys of the train apparently were apolog- were making an apology mm-hmm. that the train left. It was 14, too early. It was too early. Seconds too early, bro. And this is seconds. We're talking seconds here. Not even a minute or two minutes. They were 14 seconds early. No other country can even relate to such punctuality, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. that's just a Japanese yeah. thing, completely. Jason, seconds don't exist in Kenya, man. Seconds don't exist. <laughs> ah, they don't. Sometimes minutes don't even exist. Let's not go to seconds. Exactly. You start counting from 30 minutes, that's when it's time. You know? yes. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, now, that's one thing I've also learned. I mean, uh, when, I'd say right now, um, within the month or two months that I've been here, I've already learned how to now navigate with with the trains, uh, mm-hmm. look up where you're going, what train to use, what line to get on, and you know what time the train will be can, there. And true to word, it's going to be there on that time. Can, I mean, we, can we can we talk a, about the gift that is Google? I don't know how much you guys use Google, oh, but oh, Google has saved my life day. so much. Every single day, bro. Google is a lifesaver. Google Maps. And you know, it's crazy, because I was just thinking... Imagine if we were in the early 2000s. How, how are people navigating all of this stuff then? You needed a map. You actually needed a map. You actually needed a map. You probably needed like the train timetable that you had to get from the station. Even then, yeah, if this changes, you'd have to be in the train station. You can't read Japanese. You're done. 
right? It's over. Mm, yep, yep. Oh my god. Anyway, sorry, just continue. Google. God bless. Yeah, yeah. Um so with the experience of land, I mean now that I've known to get my way around wherever I'm going, even if I'm in a like when I went to because I came to Osaka two weeks mm-hmm. and then I mm-hmm. now went to Okayama, which is now where I live. Uh-huh. But then I was in Okayama for about three weeks and then Bodolink asked me to substitute for about two weeks in Kobe in Nishinomiya. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to go to yeah, so I had to go to Nishinomiya for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. So by the time I'm getting there, I already knew what I need to do in terms of navigating the train because okay. I'm using an uh, e-coca card. So oh, yeah, you have the... an IC card. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just have to preload money onto it and uh, you just check the train schedules. You know what time you need to be there and it literally tells you how long it's going to take. And it's actually going to take that long, however long they tell you it is going to take. Yeah, so... It's, From that experience, if I'm meeting anyone, I'm able to estimate literally what time I will get to wherever I'm going. And I'll be like, yo, I'll be there at such and such a time. And I'm there on that, like, on the dot. I'm right there. Mm. And it's such a refreshing experience for me because in Kenya, you wouldn't have that kind of luxury. I mean, you'd probably say, yes, you're meeting at such and such a time, but with how chaotic traffic is, Ex- no matter if you take an Uber or anything, you try- still be late or something unless yeah. you literally leave. Try way, explaining way Try explaining to a Japanese person the bus systems and Matata systems, how like... <laughs> Bro, explain. what is there to explain? You either find a bus or you don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's chaos theory there, man. It's chaos theory. In I, Kenya, I tried explaining uh, that to one of my coworkers. This is when I was still working in Pepe, right? One of my, my Japanese co- uh, counterpart, my Japanese like teacher, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And she was so confused. She's like, what do you mean? You just show up and wait, and if it comes, it comes. What, what do you mean? And she was just like, isn't that timings, a timetable? I'm like, nope. No time no table. And then she's just like, wait, so what do you mean you can sit anywhere or stand? It's just like, it's a bus. There's no, you know, I told her about there's no handles on top there, so you can't grab anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I even told her, like, if it's full, you can still get inside. She was so confused. <laughs> you tell her of the days when Matatus would decide to strike. Oh, exactly. oh my God. Exactly. Uh, that means you're bro. going nowhere. You're not going to work. Your boss doesn't care. Yep. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the traffic. So if, I didn't even explain the traffic. Uh, don't even get me started on the traffic. Because I is, think driving in Japan is pretty simpler than... Because everyone like, takes trains and buses. Is <laughs> that. And also, um, the one thing I've come to realize is that the transport system is literally connected. Because... There's some parts of the train lines that do cross over roads. So wait, wait what do you mean by that? Unless, like, um, oh yeah, so there's some in yeah, Japan. Yeah, in Japan, there's some parts where the train that you know, like the that cross over over the roads. So like they have when the train is passing, uh, close down, they, they close, the, they block the road for a few seconds, mm, like three minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen exactly. that once. I think there was once mm-hmm. one of that in Oita, but that wasn't uh, common. But yeah, yeah, I, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so based on that, everything is connected. And um, the one thing that's a big difference, if you compare it back to Kenya, um, 
all the traffic lights work, no matter how small <laughs> or major. I even forgot. I forgot how much of a joke the traffic lights in, at it. home are. It's not that they don't mm. work. It's that they're there, but no one gives a damn. I was, I was, I was literally I mean, telling my fiance. She's she's from Angola, yeah. so she she has no idea. Like she's completely mm. unaware of what it's like in Kenya. And I was just telling her, like, traffic lights in Kenya are like a suggestion <laughs> rather than the law. <laughs> They're more like decoration, to be honest, yeah. because there are traffic lights and there's still a traffic police there controlling traffic, which the makes you wonder right what's there. the It's need. so crazy, right? He's it's right there. Why is he there? If and the lights should work, why, why is he there? <laughs> there was one time I was driving in Nairobi City at night and the light was red. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to try and be a good citizen, citizen and stop. So I stopped at the light. And the dude behind me was hooting, like telling yeah. me, move, move, move. I'm like, dude, what? look at the light. <laughs> like, I was the one who's crazy. <laughs> Funny that you say that. Uh, since I came to Japan, I haven't had a car hoot, not even one. Oh, I've had a hoot, but it's always Let's... like a gentle hoot. like, please, please, please. <laughs> Can we talk I about one. how? Not even once. And I live near a major road. Yeah. So I hear the cars, but no hooting. Can we talk about how passive the dogs are? Here in Japan, oh, like, no, like dogs yeah. don't bark. Like I, I've, I literally, there's a bunch of we have a bunch of neighbors around us. We live in an apartment mm-hmm. building. When we walk out, there's like lots of dogs. You know, it's pretty much like, um, we live in like a family area, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's uh, lots of dogs, but none of them bark. It's so Bro, quiet me, at night. So so quiet. It's crazy. There's a difference between Kenyan dogs and Japanese dogs. Yes, in, that's in a thing. Japan, Oscar, you know, you told me that before, but I didn't believe you. In Japan, you think it's dog, the dogs, dogs or the kids, dog dogs and kids. No, it's 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 the way they've been bred in Japan. Right? Uh, exactly, in, Japan, yeah. in Japan, they breed dogs to take care of as though those dogs are children. People actually love dogs as though, as though those dogs are kids. In Kenya, dogs are bred to take care of your home. You know what I mean? Ascari. So people yeah. right on gate, Mbokali. You know what Mbokali means? Dangerous dog. Like to be aware yeah. dangerous dog. <laughs> that thing was born to go wild. Exactly. So you like when you, before you, if you go to your friend's house and you see Mbokali, you 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 see that logo like be of dangerous dog. You just ask the Ascari, the security guard, hey, um, is the dog there? <laughs> like I'm not coming in if that dog is out. Yeah, or, <laughs> or, or you're like just playing like football outside with your friends and then the ball goes over the fence to the neighbor's side like, and there are like three dogs over there and they just start barking. You're just like, ah, that ball is gone. That ball is my gone. Neighbors, that shit's gone. We had neighbors who had some bad dogs and all, for whatever reason, all their bad dogs were called Ruben. All of them were called Ruben. <laughs> And all the kids in the neighborhood knew about Ruben or the Rubens. They were so bad. <laughs> like one day my brother and I wanted to sneak into the house to get our ball or whatever we had lost. And I remember sneaking into this guy's house. Not even sneaking to the house, just like into their, their their property, right? Yeah. And I went down a corner and like one of the Rubens was just sleeping. And he he woke up when he saw me, you know, just lifted his head. And we made eye contact, bro. We made eye contact. <laughs> and I was sprinting. And as I'm sprinting, I'm crying to God to save my soul. <laughs> and don't put the fear of God in you with that stare. Hey. <laughs> uh, oh. I get what you mean. Because when I moved now to my place in Okayama, um, mm-hmm. just a few days after I'd moved in. So, you know, just walking around, seeing the sights and everything, just to get my bearings of where I live, and 
uh, there was this family that were they were walking their dogs. They had a couple of dogs, and they had this one big. Is that the one you posted in Instagram? That's the one. That's yes, the one. yes, yes, yes. I saw it. I saw it. That was a that was a huge dog. Like literally, That's... like Game of Thrones. The the dogs, the direwolves from Game of Thrones type. Um, I mean, that was the biggest friendliest dog I ever saw because I had to. St- I was on my bike and I was. I had to stop and I'm like, I need to take a picture and. I just uh, talked to them and they were very friendly and asked them, can I take a picture? And they were really cool with it. So the dog was pretty close. I even got to pet it. Uh-huh. And it's so friendly, like nothing out of the ordinary because in Kenya, you'd actually be a bit skeptical to pet someone's dog that is that yeah. big. No, you don't, you don't do that in Kenya. You no, would, no, no, really, no. would be risking quite a lot, you know? Risking your life, risking risking your life. Hey, no, no, no. In Kenya, I, I like I I believe in what Oscar's saying. I don't know if it it might also be the way they raise the dogs. Is there such thing yeah, as a we... professional dog raiser in Japan? I was yeah. literally thinking. Yeah, about they that do. Because hey, professional dog raiser, Jason. They have dog barber shops. They have dog fashion designers. I've seen what those. Ones. Have... I've seen I've seen the barber shops on the fashion. Yeah, that's that's. Bro, uh, when I see you know some of these clothes the dogs wear. They are more expensive than your damn salary, Jason. <laughs> I literally oh, yeah. saw I mean, um... a, a woman walking, like, because we live next to the beach. She was walking. She has, like, a poodle-type dog, and it has, like, a vest on and, like, tiny, like, four mm-hmm. slippers. It's like, and it has a hat, too. I was walking at the beach. You're just like, what is this? <laughs> All in Japan, bro. All in Japan. What? Because um, I don't know if you know of this. Uh, stores. I don't know if they're only in Okayama. Conan. You mean like the camera? Conan. No, Conan. No, Conan. Conan. It's a home Home Depot. They just sell like Home Depot, know, yeah. Stuff, you know. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. House, yeah, It's yeah. like this other famous one in Kyushu. Which one? Yeah. So there's one near my place, and uh, it's quite big. They literally have everything, and when I say everything, it's mm-hmm. everything. If you want to build your house, you can actually go get supplies there to mm. shopping for household items, to shopping for clothes and everything. So inside the store, they have a pet store. Mm-hmm. And they're all on display, puppies and kittens and all that. I was looking at the prices and I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. The cheapest kitten that I saw was going for about 198,000 yen. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. I'm like, okay. okay. And do you see how they keep those kittens? They keep them like in glass boxes, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, they're well kept. They have their toys in there. I mean, it even looks comfortable for the kitten and the puppy. I mean, <laughs> they take good care of them even before they're sold. Look, I, I, I love our country, but you know, if that if we're going to meet a similar place in Kenya, it'll be the tiniest cages. Mm. I feel like cats are even treated better in Kenya. Ah, the dogs. Hey. Some of the yeah, the dogs, uh, a dog's life is pretty rough in Kenya. Yeah, for real. Okay, let's not dive. Okay, we don't have that much more time. I really wanted to ask this, Dan. Okay? So, sure, sure. I think we asked this to a previous guest. I can't remember who exactly. But can you... I want us to talk about the top three things that you really like. Or maybe something even like unexpected that you really like in Japan, and then the top three things that maybe you you weren't expecting, but you kind of don't like or even hate, you know. 
So I don't know. We can start with the three things that you do like. Your favorite three things about Japan. All right. Um, three things, and uh, yeah, let's start with what I like. Okay. Um, <clears throat> in no particular no. order, just just three. yeah, yeah, no particular order. Um, the first thing I like is. I don't know, maybe I'd be biased to say this, and I still haven't figured it out yet. I don't know if you've heard of the concept of... Uh, uh, my friend was telling me about it, Hone Tatemai. Hone Tatemai? Yep, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, the face you show the world and the face you keep to yourself. Ah, exactly. yes, 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 yes. Yep. So everywhere I go from the supermarket and everything from... I mean, where I live, Mm-hmm. I haven't seen, I've only seen literally, I've only seen one black person. And that was mm-hmm. literally about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Like a sighting? Keeping track that of That was you. a sighting. <laughs> okay. But we saw each other and we made a, I mean, we made contact. We, <laughs> we made contact. With, yeah, because I was like, yo, I see you, you see me, yes. I mean, we literally stand out because yeah. you're not going to see anyone like him again. So, yeah, I mean, we spoke briefly, but... Hey, uh, Dad, no, it's not that serious. Okay, but it's not like in the middle of nowhere. Right? Uh, it's it's not, but it's not as advanced as maybe Osaka, Kyoto, maybe Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the relations, or the how the Japanese people would relate when they see me, because I would expect a bit of maybe let's call it skepticism. Mm-hmm. Not racism, bigotry, mm-hmm. nothing like that. Uh, well, maybe not direct. Uh, I mean, not direct. I mean, I've had bad experiences on the train where, to an extent, I don't even sit on the train. Why? Why? Um, there'd be maybe a couple of seats, but it feels weird when you sit and someone moves a bit farther away from you. Bro, I, I ah, stopped giving a damn about yeah, that. Yeah, because he's still new. I told you, Oscar, the same thing. That no. bothered me in the beginning. But uh, Dan, don't worry. You're still carrying. You're still carrying. I just spread my legs even more and take up more space. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's what I've been told by most foreigners. Because they're like, yo, take advantage of that. Just yeah. enjoy yeah. the space to get on the train. Because... I mean, it is what it is. Also, don't take it personally because mm. from their perspective, it's not like they're being racist. It's also about not really understanding who you are and where you're from and that sort of a thing. No, but okay, I don't know what I will say about this. Uh, you know, I don't really know what racism is, but I would say that behavior definitely is strange. If you see a white man in Kenya, will you say like, I don't sit next to this guy? You know, Actually, like, what, like, I don't understand what the fear is. Like, they fear we might talk to them. I might feel we smell uh, bad. Like I wonder what what is that makes someone not to want to sit down next to you when they exactly. see enough space. It's a bit. It's definitely a bit weird. Yeah. Like I, mean, I don't want to just cast as passions and say racism, but I, it's something I'm actually. I would like to ask someone. Why didn't you sit down next to me? Like what yep. made you not want to sit down next to me? I, I also think I've been seeing like how they avoid any even in businesses or in restaurants they try to avoid interacting with you because they just don't want to speak English. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Is that, yeah. This, it's like uh, they have a really, um, I don't know what to call it, but I'd say a big fear of English and just... Because they're bad speaking. at it. 
they're bad at it yeah. and Japanese people showing themselves or showing to the public that they're bad at something is a no-go. They hate mm. that. Oh, really? It's like the saving face. They love saving face so much. So it's just like... I'll, 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 I'll say this. Not all Japanese people are like this, but I have yes. seen a lot, in, especially like if it's just public, public, a random, like a train, airport and stuff like that. It's like yeah. they would rather just avoid you altogether. And get into a situation where they might have to actually like <laughs> overcome mm-hmm. overcome an obstacle or something uh, yeah 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 because uh, i would say on that aspect that's what has kind of made me or made it hard for me to build more of a social circle here mm-hmm. in okayama because mm-hmm. beyond work i'm more or less at home um, that's uh, yeah. I don't know if you have. Uh, I mean, you know of round one. Mm, yeah, round yeah, one is yeah. fun yeah. as hell. Yeah, it it looks fun as hell, bro. Because when I was in Kobe, there's one that was there as well. So on the weekend, I decided let me just take a walk around, see what the place is about. So I went there, and the one thing I noticed is that everyone who's there is there in terms of groups of friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You literally can't go there by yourself. Mm-hmm. You can, but it's like it's awkward. It's awkward. It's I mean, awkward I did. Weird. Yeah, it's very awkward and weird. Not to mention, you're the only black person there. So, on the pool tables, there was this one guy who was playing pool by himself. So, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, let me go at least uh, talk to him, ask him, can we play together and everything. Uh, In Japanese, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He gave me the vaguest answer of like, oh, he's waiting for someone and everything. I'm like, okay, fine, cool. Mm-hmm. Bro, I waited there for like 15, 20 minutes. Nobody came. He opened another game and played by himself. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, let me just take a hint. Yeah, let me just take a hint and just dip. Because... Solo dolo. Mr. Solo dolo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the place looks fun. All sorts of games and I'm like, I really need a social circle because this is a place I would definitely want to come and play. And there's one here in Okayama, but I haven't gone there yet because yeah, now so I, think, huh? I live here and me being here most of the time, I would definitely want to have friends that I can hang out with during the weekend. But yeah, beyond I work, Monday to Friday, I, yeah. there's what not I much that I get to do. In Japan, the only way to make friends in a in a reasonable way don't say a, drink, Oscar. In a psychologically healthy way, is to go and join a club. You have to it's join a like, club. Yeah, you have to join a club. Whether it's it's whether a Japanese language club, you know, photography club, a, a sports club, whatever it is, you have to join a club. Otherwise, yeah, you get that's what I've been considering because yeah. I want to get uh, into swimming, back into swimming. So. Yeah. I'm I'm hopeful that uh, at least there I could actually meet some people that mm. you know would be because there I would just let my talent speak for me at yeah, that point yeah. and uh, yeah once yeah. they start engaging with you and they can see that you can speak Japanese then it makes it easier to at least make the attempt to connect and from yeah, there because on because like as, so, as a foreigner who come like in the way you and Jason came. Yeah. People tend to pull in the trouble of always just going out in order to meet friends. You know, like going to bars, going to clubs, thinking you're going to meet trap, people. That's a trap, Dad. That's a trap. I, bro, I did that, and one thing I noticed, it's hella expensive. Like, what? Exactly. The- you lose oh all of your money. Look, you'll make friends. <laughs> Those people aren't <laughs> even your... The, yeah, they're like <laughs> your drinking buddies. Not your real friends. They're very shallow relationships, you know? Yes. 
Yes. And then you so just... It's all about the time there. And because and you're lonely, right? So you'll just keep going there, keep going there just to see them even more. And sometimes you do make some good friends. Let's, let's be honest. In a bar, if you keep on seeing the same people over and over again, you can have some great times, right? But then... But you need the money. You need the money, man. Money. I mean, you use the money for something else. The alcohol over time, what does it do to your body? Before you know it, you're drinking almost every day. <laughs> you know, yeah. so you're creating excuses just to go to the bar or pub. It's a dangerous, slippery slope. And many foreign men fall into I don't know what I, women maybe don't fall into that trap. I don't know. I've never met a woman who's okay. I, I do know female alcoholics, but I don't know. I don't know many women who fall into that trap in Japan. But hmm. it seems like men they fall into that almost immediately, you know? But I've seen a lot of foreign women who are just as lonely as men. Yeah, but do they do they fall into the same trap of like alcoholism that men fall into? I think because some of them even, do. But you're right. I think it's less. It's less women, right? It's like, less. I feel women, like yeah. women might have an outlet that men don't have. Hmm. So. That's a good question, yeah. actually. I. Um, but the men, yeah, men, men are fucked. Uh, 100 yeah men, men are screwed <laughs> uh men men are completely screwed you just come here dan it's such a it's a such a recurring story here man the foreigner comes here and like the first year maybe the first couple of months yeah it's all good right and then they get like really, really lonely so then they try to like make friends at a bar or a pub and yeah, then it yeah. just becomes like a routine where they're going there and just drinking and then it just becomes more and more easier for them. And then before I know. It, they know it, like all of their money is getting poured into that, you know? No, I have this dark story from someone I met in a bar once. Uh-huh. I went to a bar. It was my first time to go to this particular bar. And on the counter was, I think, an American or a British man. And we start talking and ask him, hey, where are you from? He tells me where he's from. And he tells me he's been in Japan for several, almost a decade, but he's divorced now. Uh-huh. And his <laughs> wife, the kids... And she, he's like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cast her, but I'm just quoting what he told me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fuck these Japanese women, but I fucking love this place though. He's, you know, referring to the bar, and I was like, that's so dark, you know, like his life has become oh, so wrecked that the only place that is good for him is that bar. You know, <laughs> you know why well, one of his experience with the women? Yeah, no, see, the, 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 oh, sorry, the 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 woman she left him and took his kid, you know. And so man. that suddenly became like fuck all the Japanese women, basically. Like yeah. in his mind, he yeah. he he internalized that shit as like it's as no, a hatred. Like, it, it just became that kind of hatred for like the Japanese. It's women. not even about it's not even about the Japanese women issue. My the thing that really scared me was that the best place for him at that particular time was a bar, right? Mm. That seemed dark that was so dark like it made me just want to leave that place immediately that was that was basically my life in oita though the place where i was socializing the most and it felt good for the most part was pi which was a pub it was a pub made specifically for foreigners the japanese owner had spent some time overseas and stuff like that but yeah there were lots of foreigners in that bar so it felt like i could go there and speak english and talk about issues I have at my schools. And then there was lots of teachers there as well, right? So I could go there and talk to people who would understand what I am going through because they are going through the exact same thing, you know? And again, over time, it just it, you just figure out that you're not really friends, though. You're just drinking buddies. So 
anyway, I, I don't want us to go too much into it. We've already gone way more into this than expected. Um, Dan, what's your second thing that you like? I, I want us to go through everything pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, all right, cool. Um, I would say the women. <laughs> That's a very honest answer. I respect you that. Don't, you don't I respect that. They are so beautiful, and I'm lucky that I got one myself. Oh man, let me wait, 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 wait. You already met someone? Yes, I did. And, uh, Do you work with her? Say again? Do you work with her? Is she a coworker? No, no, no. No, we don't, bro. I met her on an app. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Tinder? And, uh, we, we connected, and right now we are dating. Wait, wait, wait. Which app was this? Which app was this? Bumble. Ah, okay, Bumble. Okay, okay, fair enough. Okay, 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 okay. Wow, Japanese woman? Yes. Where's she from? Like, what city? Uh, from Kyoto. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Not so far. Uh, but okay. she now lives in Okayama as well. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, is she working like you? Uh, yes, yes, she is. Ah, okay, 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 okay. You know, oh, Dan, Dan, you move fast. What? <laughs> No, not even that. I think it was more of a lucky thing because uh, she had been in Kenya for two years. So uh-huh. with my profile on Bumble, it already showed that I know Swahili and that kind of a thing. So we just connected from that, literally. Wow. And I honestly, if anything has to be a sign, that has to be it because with trying to connect with people and then you meet someone like that. I was like, you know what? If it's meant to be, it is. And so far, so good, honestly. I think you're you know, going through. That's you know, amazing. Talking about women, That's talking amazing. About women, my brother came to Japan and the first thing he told me is like, he said, I'm seeing beautiful women for the first time in my life. <laughs> Yo, every <laughs> single... I was experiencing that in Osaka. I, I was with my friend from England and we were taking walks in Namba and Nipombashi and we were like, oh man, we don't want to leave this country at all. <laughs> no. Beautiful people everywhere. Dad, you gotta your your vision needs to adjust for the let's just say the the the, the different beauty standards in Japan. Yeah, 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 that's something you figure out over time. I said the exact same thing to Oscar. You know, it's funny, Oscar, we met the first time, and this was in Oito when you came to see me, right? And I was like, Oscar, they're so, everyone's beautiful, what's going on? And Oscar's like, <laughs> I think I said even, look, look at that girl, she's beautiful. Oscar's like, but she's ugly. <laughs> and then, you know, oh, I really didn't understand Oscar, but uh, as time has gone along, you just adjust. And you start to like, you filter, you'll definitely filter Japanese people differently. And you'll start to like, yeah. there will be, there will definitely be a hierarchy in your mind, forming in your mind. Sure. So, hey, but anyway, like seriously though, they are beautiful people. Japanese people are beautiful people. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right, the other Oscar? thing is... Yeah, I do the convenience. Japanese women, they are beautiful. I mean, I married one, right? <laughs> you sound so politically correct. <laughs> like someone's reading your line. Okay. So, convenience, uh, Dan? Yeah. Um, the convenience of everything, I would say. 
um from the simplest things i mean uh the one thing i've also come to like mm-hmm. which is not what most people are going through back in kenya um when it comes to being paid uh what do you um, mean? with the company they tell me the day you get paid is such and such a day mm-hmm. bro by the time you wake up in the morning 7 a.m the money's already in your account yes 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 wait kenyan companies do that too uh not really there's some where they tell you it's it's more like of a vague kind of thing where it's end month so well, you don't know which day right? yeah you don't know which day so you're like well, maybe i should count towards the last five days of the month and that's any one of those days could be it oh so in you... japan it's different if it's this day it's actually that day and when you wake up the money is there i did not know this was a thing i guess i was just lucky with the companies i was working with in nairobi oh i guess maybe you were man because uh even the friend who helped me now to come in Japan, he lives in uh, Tochigi. Uh-huh. He was telling me some of the things here are just down to the date. Everything is just, it's all about punctuality from everything. It's not even about, it's not about transport and every, it's literally everything. It's down to the day. If it's this, it's this. There's no rounding up or rounding down where it could be early or just a bit late. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Everything is down to the wire and for me, that was a refreshing experience, and I like that about it. Convenience is like the number one thing. It's like everything oh, yeah. in Japan is designed around convenience, and yeah, I mean, it's it's very refreshing to experience that because it almost feels like a myth back home, <laughs> where a lot of shortcuts are being taken. Here, yeah, there's actually the aspect of due diligence yeah it's done yeah. <laughs> i uh, like that and i like that. I, I think and you know th- that's something i found to be particularly like unique to japan in terms of like how like you said how diligent they are you know lots of other mm-hmm. first world countries are diligent yes but japan is on another level when it comes to it's like, another level it is it really is when it, it comes to functionality like you said like getting things done when they decide to do things the japanese people will do it and they will do it properly yep. you should see how fast some of these buildings come up you know <laughs> i was literally joking with my with my brother about this like um one of the apartment buildings and it's a big apartment building it was done in six months i think it was less it was like five months actually you know i moved to this current apartment i was living in in december of 2020 when i moved in uh-huh they this currently next to mine it wasn't there the apartment building that was currently it's now currently next to mine wasn't there mm-hmm. and now it's like what well, a 15 story apartment building just like right? that it was complete right? middle, middle of last year of 2021 they go so fast so so, so, so fast and back at home in nairobi it wasn't uncommon to see a building they start construction maybe in january let's say january beginning of the year end of the year they've reached the point of like literally just laying foundation. Like the foundation has been laid and the building's like framework is there. And then that's it. You ask them, they're like, oh, you know, money is not there. So we're waiting another one year. <laughs> Shortcuts, left, right and center, man. Like it's so crazy. Uh, I, I don't know. 
Okay. Yeah, the, the, the entire thing was even like with the roads, I see how like right now to them when they were going to work today, I noticed in the train, they put a poster up on the train saying that between beginning of next year and 2025, they're going to extend a section of the highway in some part of Osaka. Uh-huh. Right? And they've put up this poster months before the project begins. And they're telling you when it's going to start and when it's going to the date's going to open in 2025. Right? They may you know how sorry, I'll say this one. So no, I'll say like they, you know, think about the audacity to make such a promise. Hey, on July 5th of 2025, we're going to open this highway. You know, it's like they trust their ability so much that they're willing to give you the specific date. If that big, is what is that three years away. If there's even a small pothole on any road, you can even report it, and that thing will be fixed like in like three, four days. And then they'll fix it at night when no one is yeah. using it. Yes, yeah. that's a new thing. So crazy. All construction or transport systems in Japan is done at night, yeah. as opposed to Kenya. They literally cause traffic <laughs> during rush hour to fix a pothole. Oh, yeah. yeah, they some some roads are closed. And in, there's no warning beforehand. There's no warning like on the news, like we're gonna and, close the road tomorrow. Just wake up and you find the closed road. And in being Nairobi, there's literally only two roads to get to a place usually. <laughs> uh, it's mad. All right, all right. Dan, quickly uh, go through the things that you don't like or you don't really appreciate. Yeah. Uh, the collectivist aspect of everything. In what don't... in what way has that shown? Um, in how I've seen people or other in terms of connecting with people trying to make friends mm-hmm. so most people already have a social circle that they already trust so Japanese people right yes yes okay yeah yeah so even if you interact with them it takes a while for them to be open as much as they would be to their friends who mm-hmm. you and that's because you probably wouldn't fit in as maybe that's what they would think. And I've also seen that I've experienced it and also seen it in school where Oh yeah, definitely. No, it's like definitely a school, collectivist yeah. culture is embedded in the students. So I've seen some students who are more like loners. in the classes where you're having a situation where it's all about the students to interact with each other, ask each other whatever it is that you're teaching. But there's some students who can't ask other students, so it's like they're being alienated. And that kind of sucks. I actually, uh, it kind of rubbed me up the wrong way. This is something I've been asking myself as well, like what causes this kind of alienation? Because if it's a collectivist culture, and you can join a group and fit in. You can then definitely fit in somewhere, but you don't fit in anywhere. I think to some at some level, it's the individual's fault. Wait, 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 wait. No, I also maybe, maybe before we get into Oscar's thing, um, the problem is also that in schools, it's just a small population size, right? When you mm-hmm. when once they go into like high school or university, when there's a lot more people, a lot of these people, if they try, can make friends. You know, so you see, like yeah. if they try, if they try, so they have to put effort as well, right? The problem is that Japanese people sometimes, I, I don't know, I, if is this the culture? I'm not sure. They give up so fast sometimes. No, it's not even that. I think it's the aspect of 
the uh, how do I call it the not standing out to fit in you all have to be the same you all have to do the same thing so no one is really looking to stand out if you stand out you're alienated which doesn't make it the person who doesn't make friends it doesn't make it their fault because they're probably just being alienated because they stand out for some sort of reason they don't fit in and it goes even beyond elementary school where yeah yeah I, everyone I has to follow suit like you all have to be the same it's just about following in line and just all looking the same so that no one stands out no one looks unique and so when you end up do coming off as unique or standing out you're alienated but don't we do the same thing in kenya we all wear the we same do. uniforms in kenya. We, we, do, we, do, we do but in kenya yeah, it's, it's less serious <laughs> but like what i'm saying here is like you know like the issue with alienation so i will so of course if with the three of okay the three of us are together right we are friends right uh-huh. and another person wants to join our group but we think there's something off about him that will make him not fit into a group what, you know it's like it's we're not doing this on purpose right sometimes you just your group feels like this person wouldn't fit in not because you're being bad but maybe there's a vibe he's putting out because there are truly people who are weird and being oh, in Japan yeah. for as long as i have i know people who are really weird that's like, another thing japan does have like the weird people here are really really weird and it's like i ask have you found out where this comes from i don't know where it comes from neither do i it's like even i have some kids in my classes like i do feel bad for them because they do look lonely but i feel like if i was a kid even i wouldn't want to interact with them <laughs> yes 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 i get that because also sometimes i end up asking myself okay fine i feel bad for the kid who's been alienated but I also look at it from the perspective of the other kids where yeah, what crazy. are you seeing that maybe i'm not seeing because exactly. me being the teacher i'm more generalizing it and i'm like yeah. you should all interact together so and you do take a guardian type position when you're a teacher right you're trying to bring everyone into your lesson right yeah you make it all inclusive yeah but so like here's the thing like you you've seen you see this you've seen this dish sooner you you've seen this or you see this done whereby there's yeah. some kids who don't even try to interact with other people they give up right they've given up oh, yeah. this completely so, yeah. given up if this I individual would a... even make an effort to go out and speak should the yeah. the group run to him and hey say hey dude come and join us at some point uh, it's like hey you have to make an effort yourself as an individual of course it's all about meeting each other halfway to an extent yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. I mean, I have a kid in one of my classes. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a reader, and I've been going to that school for about what two months now. By the way, how old are the kids you're teaching? Dad? Uh, on average, all my students are elementary schools, so okay, okay, the okay. oldest are about maybe twelve, eleven years. Mm-hmm. Six sixth graders are the highest. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. So. In this fifth grade class, there's this one kid, and without fail, and the teacher doesn't even bother with him at all. Mm-hmm. During English class, he doesn't even bring out the textbooks and everything. Like they're on yeah. the table, but they're not open. Yeah. He's there with his manga, reading manga. Everybody else is actually engaged in class. We're all doing the exercise. We're all reading the textbooks so, and everything. You know, now, oh, how, how did you wait, wait, Oscar? How did you respond to that? What can you do? What can I do? Because 
I'm did you try? There. Did you try to interact with the kid and see what what happens? No, I asked the teacher. Like, um, so I mean, what's up? What's this normal? And uh, yeah, he went and tried to talk to him, but I don't know what he said because now they would now speak in extent in Japanese. Uh-huh. So, and that's another thing I've also noticed here: the teachers are very, very patient with the kids. A lot more patient. Like, if the kid doesn't really want to study, is yeah. So because in, in Japan, if anything goes wrong, the teachers always blame first. Exactly. Yeah. In so Kenya, it's the opposite. Is... The Kenya, it's like the kids are blamed first when anything goes wrong. Oh, yeah. Then we work our way backwards from that. <laughs> like the problem. Some parents will encourage the teacher to discipline the kid. Exactly. Not... It's 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 like in Kenya it would have been like if you get hit by someone, your parents would be like, "What did you do to make this person hit you? What did you do to make yeah. the teacher hit you? You know, uh, something yeah. like that." And then in Japan, it's like the parents are all over you. You know. How could you let yeah. my kid get hit? Where were you? How could you hit my kid? Etc. Etc. You know. So what I feel about like in such a situation with that boy you have in class, like if whatever is happening with that boy persists, maybe in other classes throughout his elementary school and high school and junior high school and high school career, you know he's basically he's done. He's done. It's he's a done. It's, so it's a negative cool. it's a negative is feedback it? loop for sure. The language uh, reaction like. Is he like this always in other classes, or is it just English? Like, literally zero effort. Yeah. So, and that. So, what does that imply? So that, no, that, that, that's when a kid, kid that young is so disconnected. It usually speaks to a much deeper, like a psychological need or trauma mm-hmm. that's happened to that kid. Probably, but also, I also. Uh, fed off the energy that I got from the teacher's reaction. Like, mm-hmm. the Japanese teacher of English uh. also does not bother with him. Like, there are some students in there who would be maybe causing a bit of a nuisance. Mm-hmm. There are those ones who are a bit loud and the teacher would come and talk to them and they'd get back in line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For one student, the teacher doesn't even bother. He already goes on with the classes and I just follow suit and just follow his lead. Mm-mm. So if you're not going to bother with him, who am I to even start saying, like, yo, well, this kid is not even here. He's just on his mangas and everything. Mm-hmm. I guess it's good. That, that, was, that was already a red flag. Because, mm-hmm. like, the teacher himself, the homeroom teacher is not bothered. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, there's something deeper that I'm already missing. So it's not in my place to, like, yeah, 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 especially you're new too. Like, there's nothing much you can do. That's basically the teachers. Everything is the teachers' fault. So maybe at some point the teachers are like, you know what? I don't deal with these kids' problems. It might come back to me. As long it will. as it's really yeah. not being hundred percent. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. like working even in my company, like during training, we're told never raise your voice at the kids. <laughs> so yes. how can I discipline them? How can I tell them like so they want us to tell them you're wrong with a smile? How, that makes zero sense. It does, it does. Yeah, because but, like, of course, I'm not saying beat the kids, but raising your voice at, some, at someone does help. It does, right? yeah, yeah, it does. I, I have a daughter. I have a daughter. Action, you know? Yeah, so I have a daughter, right? And if I raise my voice at my daughter, my daughter will tell me in Japanese, daddy is angry, right? She knows daddy is angry, so she should stop doing whatever she's doing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not screaming at her, but I'm just like... 
you know, she obviously through my expressions, through my voice, she knows I'm angry. But if I was telling her, hey, Raha, please don't throw the glass onto the TV, into the TV with a smile. Japanese, but Japanese parents sometimes do that. Have you seen that? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I in do public, see quite a lot. In public, they're yeah. literally trying to like ask their kid, can you please not be hitting other people? Like, like they're trying to have a conversation, negotiation here. And the kid is like four, five, and he's wild, yeah. you know? You can't negotiate with a two-year-old. They're monsters. They're demons. They're, they're monsters demons. full of nothing but energy. Just yeah. raw energy, unhinged energy, you know? Uh, you know, um, for whether you're religious or not, the Bible says, says something about kids that I have come to believe with so much fervor since I started teaching. It says, children's hearts are full of folly and only a rod can get the devil out of them. And I thought, my mother told me the same thing. She was talking to my mother about my daughter, you know, how she, she throws tantrums. You know, she's just real. All real throw tantrums. But my yeah. mother was saying, hey, Oscar, you have to discipline that kid. Twills are so manipulative. You know, and it, that's, it's like growing up in Kenya, that's just common sense. Discipline your kid. Spare the child, spoil the child. You know, that was yep. a common sense. Growing that was up. a motto. Yeah. We've all gone through that. Yep. Exactly. We were slapped. We were hit. Everything was done to us. You know, anything short of killing us was done to us. You know? <laughs> that was the reality. Yeah. But in Japan, it's like, hey, it's like the parents want to be the kid's best friend. You can't do that. You, you can't, can't do the kid and be the parent. You're the disciplinarian in that situation. One, one, one type of like the one of them will get compromised basically. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, yes. You can be the best friend and then not be the parent, or you can be the parent and not be the best friend. Yeah. So, like I was telling my wife, hey, I'm not this girl's friend. Ra isn't my friend. You know, I'm her father. She in this house, I'm God. You know, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the way it's supposed I'm, to be. Needs to know that. Yeah. Because that yeah. that will also do, depending on what you do in your own house, it'll teach Raha how to interact with authority figures. <laughs> you see it with the kids who have who have no idea how to properly interact with authority figures, and you see them act out right and not listen <laughs> at all. Exactly. And this and this always leads them to just it, ultimately it hurts the child, right? As as the behavior yeah. continues forward and they grow older and older, and then consequences of those sort of actions just get much grander and greater. I see with such experiences, it's brought or rather maybe not new meaning, but more appreciation to the old proverbs and um, the tallies that we had back in school of mm-hmm. the first one, charity begins at home. Yes, 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 yes. The other one was Pofunza na Mamai, Utafunza na Ulimwengu. Yes, yes. <laughs> so if your parent doesn't take the necessary precautions or the disciplinary measures that they are supposed to do as the parent, definitely the kid is going to suffer when they get out there because the world is cruel, bro. The world is cruel out here. So yeah. they wouldn't have as much patience out here as maybe your parent would. Yep. Yeah. They'll be disciplined by somebody who doesn't even like them. That's even worse. Exactly. That's even worse. No, like I was talking to my wife recently about there's there's one particular bad kid in the Osaka area for my company, right? And we will have company meetings and all the teachers know this kid and no one likes this kid, right? 
and he's barely 10 years old, right? Can you imagine as a parent knowing that some, some, you know, somewhere right now is a group of people talking about how much they hate your kid? Can you imagine? The, the, the parent, you've, you've failed the child. They really don't want your kid around. They wish he was just not there. And then, right? They lose the ability to socialize with people. Who knows how many opportunities and stuff they could learn? You know? Yeah. That, that, that loss of all of those potential opportunities that comes with socializing with those kinds of people, you know? Because as a kid, all you're doing is learning from adults, right? For the most part. Mm-hmm. You're learning from your friends, maybe around teenage. I think around the, the age of like when you're a teenager, um, you're learning from it's peer to peer learning right mm-hmm. that becomes first yeah. and then mom and dad things go like in the back seat <laughs> for the most part but up until that yeah. point you're learning a lot from adults and now it's like if no adult wants to be around your kid your kid's not going to learn anything yeah like they're truly kids who and i wonder how the relationship is with the parents back home because there must be something going on that's they, it makes no sense that your Oscar, parents it's can like what you we said mom is working dad is working they have no home that's that's yes. in japan both parents work, right? The kid yeah, isn't being, being being taken care of by anyone at home. Yeah. Sorry, anyway. We're way over time. Dan, the last two things that you don't like. Very quickly. Um, and then, then we can do final comments and whatever. Alright, cool. Um, I'd say the weather. Weather? Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Last one? Last one, um, the standard of living. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. uh, I'm still getting used to it, and uh, it's hella expensive over here. I mean, I was in the supermarket yesterday. Uh huh. A whole watermelon is going for three thousand eight hundred yen. Yep. Yep. What? Yep. What do you mean it's going for three thousand yeah. yen? Three thousand eight hundred yen. A full watermelon. No, bro. no, no, no. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> bro, I took I've been a here for two years. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> bro, and I was seeing them things, and oh my god, I was being told how fruits here are a luxury. It is. So, it is. It is. It is. It is. Uh, it's a bit of a deal breaker because I'm a big fruits guy. Uh, oh. That's one thing that's making me a bit, a bit homesick because. Fruits are very easy thing to buy back home. Very cheap. Three bananas, and fifteen bob. In exactly. Now here, bananas are the only things that I have to settle for. And even then, what I'm spending on bananas, the same amount. If I was to buy bananas for that amount, bro, I would have bananas for days back home. Yeah, 150, 200 yen. Exactly. Ah. Uh, so it's still an adjustment for me. So yeah, I mean, just take it as it comes. I'm glad I'm not a watermelon guy, but that was a big shock for me. So I even took a picture just to send it back to the family and just show them like, yo, yeah, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. Because yeah. they think like, oh, you're getting lots of money. Yeah, I'm getting lots of money, but like things but are not cheap here. Things are not cheap. Some things are really not cheap here. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, Oscar, any final comments? Then we can push it also to Dan. Yeah, it's good to speak to you, Dan. It's been actually, you know, when Jason told me you're coming on, I was like, Dan, who's Dan? <laughs> <laughs> he wants that. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah. 
But now talking to you, like, okay, no, I remember, I remember. No, it's like it's good to meet someone from way back in the day. You know, it's like that was like the breeding ground of all the people who are now who are in Japan now, right? That fucking classroom of a hundred years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So when I'm happy to have another fellow Kenyan, not just a Kenyan, but a USAU one. How you how would you say it? USAU eight. <laughs> alumni, alumni. alumni. Yeah, let's just go with alumni. Yeah, so it's I'm happy to have you around. Maybe I'll come and maybe I'll come and visit you in Okayama. Maybe you'll come down to Osaka, whatever it is. Oh yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Round one, we'll definitely round one. That sounds like a round yeah. one meetup right there. Round one, bro. Round uh, one. Like something else for yep. sure. Yeah, play some bowling ball. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dad. Okay. Ah, uh yeah, I mean uh in a nutshell, thanks you guys for having me. I mean Jason had introduced this whole podcast um mm. back when I think you guys had just started doing it. Mm. I was still in Kenya then, but uh there was a group that we were sharing. I don't know if you remember the group, Jason. Oh, of, course. People. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I had tuned in then and I was like, this is pretty interesting. So when I got here I was like, I would definitely wa- would want to be a part of this because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I'm still trying to build a social circle myself. But mm-hmm. having people I already know here also helps, even though we're not in the same city. I mean, there's mm-hmm. people I can still reach out to and talk to. So mm-hmm. that goes a long way. And you guys have been here a lot longer than I have. So your experiences and your advice will actually help me quite a lot how to more or less get adjusted into the society. Would you be interested in being part of a community? Because Oscar and I thought about like just being like creating a community for Dreams X Trash, which will also like include not just the listeners and the fans of the podcast, but more of like like you said, the people in, 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 in like the foreigners in Japan, for example, who actually need the community aspect, right? Yep. That yeah, need yeah, yeah. the socialization, you know? It's it's not easy. Oscar's been through this phase. I've been through this phase. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. not easy finding that yeah. friend circle or social circle, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would definitely love to be part of it, for sure. And it's just like, you know, calls like this or like maybe playing games and stuff like that. Actually, talking about it even now, my first couple of months, when I wasn't drinking, I was playing a lot of games with people from back home in Nairobi, just mm-hmm. on multiplayer online games, because it was just like, again, those are the only things I could do so I could actually talk to someone, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I still play Call of Duty with my bro back home. Exactly, online. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, those are the kind of communities I would also want to be included in, because I, for the first month, Mm-hmm. I went out quite a bit, and uh, looking back on it, I saw how much I spent. It, it's it's a good experience, but you can't live like that, right? Uh, you no, can't. No, no, uh, no, no, no. It, it it's not pocket friendly, to yeah. say the least. Because, I mean, in a nutshell, beer is already way too expensive here. Just one beer is already worth three beers back home. Oh, I can't remember uh, the prices of beers in Kenya. <laughs> I uh, it's a bit pretty fresh for me, because uh, uh, I would go out with my dad. So ah, mm. uh, okay, okay, okay. I can remember the prices and everything. And coming here, that was a bit of a shell shock for me to adjust to, because I was like, "Whoa, I'm paying this much just for one beer." So I'm not even getting like, I'm not, I'm not getting buzzed per se to 
compared to how much. Like I'd have to spend quite a bit. Oh, you haven't mm. drank strong zero. That's a, that's what don't, it sounds Don't like. even talk about it. You, you, <laughs> oh, no, you, I haven't drank strong zero. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end it off with that. How was your experience with strong zero? Strong zero is something else. That was uh, that was in Osaka. That was now back then when I was with. Um, so, in Osaka was where we were meeting up. Every other ALT from different mm-hmm. parts of the world. Oh, that's for training, so, right? You said. Yeah, so that's why we went for training and everything. So I made a couple of friends, and uh, we would all go out together, and that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I got to experience Strong Zero, and mm-hmm. I got to experience my worst hangover. Yep. <laughs> in Japan. How many? How many cans? Zero. How many cans did you take? Bro, about seven. Seven? <laughs> on your, seven on your first attempt it was the first night man we were we we just went it, it was like club hopping then we ended up at uh uh big echo when you say seven do you mean all of them are strong zeros or you're drinking other stuff as well no all of them are strong zeros but Jeez. what messed it up was now when we got to the big echo because you can order more things there bro Oh, uh, uh, there was this guy from uh, the states. Never drinking with white people again, ever. <laughs> okay. Never. Uh, that was an experience, at least, but never again. Oscar, let let, yeah. let us just leave it at that, because if we add our own <laughs> strong zero stories, that this will yeah, be another yeah. thirty minutes. <laughs> That's a story for another day. That's a story, story for another day. Another day. And with that, I'd like to thank you, Dan. I think it's been very interesting and wonderful mm-hmm. talking to an old friend. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, the listeners. And as usual, thank you, Oscar. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Dan. And the listeners, well, we'll see you again here on Dreams. See you. You'll catch us here again on Dreams Extrash. Goodbye. And bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.